The Convention Collective. Live from Lawless Comic Con, Bristol 2022. In conversation with Brian Bolland. Good morning. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome along to Lawless Comic Con Day 2. How's it been? Who's been here for the... Oh, yes. Absolutely. It's good to be back, right? It's good to be back. Who's been here for the whole weekend? <laughs> okay. It's just me that's not... Uh, I wasn't able to make it yesterday. Uh, so No, I missed it completely. But I've been hearing incredibly good things. And uh, hopefully you've had yourself a good time uh, over the course of the weekend. But I think it's safe to say that the panels that we are hosting, uh, we're saving some of the best for last, uh, for the second day, because I get to introduce this gentleman. My name's Leonard, very quickly. Um, uh, I run a website called The Convention Collective and also a blog called An Englishman in San Diego, which is about Comic-Cons and all the stuff and nonsense we get to enjoy at such shows. Um, As part of that, I get to talk to some very interesting and talented people. People like this gentleman to my left. Ladies and gentlemen, will you please welcome Brian Bolland. How the devil are you, sir? Um, A little tired. (laughs) Didn't sleep a lot last night, but um, I think I'm ready to answer some questions. I have... Interrogation? It's never an interrogation. It's all conversation. Uh, We are going to be asking uh, if you have any questions for Brian as well at the back end, so please do start thinking about uh, any questions that I kind of miss. But um, certainly what I uh, want to ask is... um, you're back at conventions and you're out meeting people and seeing people out and you're getting out and about again and it's great to have you uh, sort of interacting with friends and uh, fans again what's brought you back out to uh, see people what's Um, uh, brought you back well I've been thinking I, 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 I do get invited to conventions in the past I've used invitations to conventions to see the world right uh, I was invited to one in Prague last year and I thought but that was in the middle of the lockdown Right. I thought, there's no way uh, that's going to work. I couldn't really imagine we'd be doing this without face masks, for instance. Yes. Um, um, I came here because I, n- I know a lot of the people from 2000 AD. They, go, they and I go way back. Mick McMahon, for instance, was going to be here. He had to pull out. Mm-hmm. He's my pal. Uh, and he's an artist I admire greatly from the, the very uh, from the very first issue, I believe, or second issue actually of 2000 AD. Yeah. Um, so, really, to reconnect with people I've known for 45 years, in many cases. I think also with a convention like this as well, it's um, it is people that you know, and therefore you've got a real relationship with them, and also yes. with the fans as well. Um, I well, apparently, apparently, yes. I mean, <laughs> I, I live. A very quiet life um, in rural Suffolk, and uh, I'm just a normal bloke. Uh, the rest of my family just think I'm just some bloke who lives in the house with them. Right. Uh, so coming here and doing this sort of thing, you sort of suddenly become a different kind of person. You know, when people queue up and they appear to adore one, right. it's, it's just a, uh, an odd experience, but uh, I don't know what this lot thinks, really. <laughs> we'll find out, We'll find we? out. 
Um, when it comes to the, the fans, then it's like I say, it's great to have them uh, seeing you again and you getting to see yeah. them again. Um, has there been any kind of uh, memorable fan experiences? I, I, I can imagine that there's um, books that have uh, kind of that you've done that maybe even you've forgotten um, that you've done, well, and they've brought to you and just gone, and you just what the hell? Yeah. Well, I did a signing in Forbidden Planet in London a week ago, and that was probably the first social event I've been at for two, three years. Wow. So this is two events in, in a week, you know. And they were... I've got to plug a book. I've got a new book out. Yes. Which is a bloody huge, great um, Apex edition of my Judge Dredd work. You need, all need to go out and buy it. It's very cheap at 80 quid or so. <laughs> Um, and I've forgotten the question, but uh, <laughs> they were all turning up with this book. But um, they also were bringing me things that I hadn't seen for... I mean, I've got to do the math, really, since about 1977. One guy brought along a, um, an album cover that I did in 1977, wow. which was the Drifters, 40, 20 possibly greatest... You know, the Drifters was a band from bloody ages ago, the 50s, 60s. And I'd, one of my earliest colour jobs was uh, this gatefold sleeve for this album of the Drifters. Nice. Under the boardwalk and stuff. Um, and I hadn't seen that for ages. One guy came along with a piece of original artwork from 1973 that I had drawn a nude, a nude lady, sort of a nude barbarian kind of thing that I hadn't <laughs> seen in the sort of stuff I wouldn't probably draw today. Um, but yes, I do get to see. Uh, they, they bring along things I really couldn't remember. Wow. Mm. Fantastic. Occasionally I see bits of my work online, they say, that are coming up for auction, and I swear I, it isn't by me. It's attributed to me, but uh, it's clearly not me. It's somebody else. At least I don't think it's me. What do you... When you see those pieces from uh, back then... Yeah. And you see... So like, and like I say, Apex gave you a chance to um, really look back at some... Um, uh, evocative images from back in the day. Yes. But what do you see as uh, from Bri as Brian Bolland 2022? Looking yeah. back at those uh, pieces, what do you see in those uh, art pieces? And what would you say to that young? I see a young artist. I see a youthful enthusiasm, which I find delightful. Because now I'm, well, I'm enthusiastic, but I'm not as youthful. And I, <laughs> uh, I, I think at the time. It was essential to get the work done. Um, it wasn't always brilliantly drawn. Right. It had to be drawn in time. And I wasn't all that desperate to please, somehow. I mean, it was fantastic stuff. That all the John Wagner written um, Judge Dredd stories, you know, the, the, the Dark Judges and the Cursed Earth and all that. And I do see a lovely enthusiasm in there and a lack of preciousness that I probably have now. Really? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I know it's outside of the remit here, but I, I did a thing for DC called Camelot 3000, which I was looking at recently, and, and I, it looks good. I think that young guy was OK. Um, <laughs> so I do get a, a pleasure looking at the old stuff. Um, speak, I mean, I think uh, there's a number of people, well, people in the room who know uh, your history know your work but let's talk about um, Brian Bolland 2022 yeah um, and let's talk about where you are now because it was interesting when we were uh, when we were coming into the room 
And we were talking about, because um, uh, one of the things that we, in preparation for this, I asked what comics you're reading now, and you say you haven't been reading comics I'd, for a while. I've got out of the habit of reading fiction of any sort. Really? Yeah, I fear. It's, uh, I think because we have so many social media now, I spend most of my time on YouTube. I, end, I used to, before we had computers and stuff, I would read screeds of, of novels. You know, I'd read th- three hours of a novel. Lots, lots of novelists I re- was reading. Um, Gore Vidal, I was into Gore Vidal. Um, but now when I... I don't buy comics. The only comics I see are the ones I see on Facebook and Instagram, Instagram just to see what artists I know are doing. Sure. Bill Sinkavich is an artist I know and admire up and co- up and greatly. Um, I, th- I think he'll do well. He should do well if he really, really plugs at it, yes. Great yeah. practice, great practice. <laughs> do you know his work at all, Bill Sinkavich? He does fantastic um, obituary <laughs> paintings of all these people who die... He seems to be able to knock out the next oh, day a fantastic, beautiful portrait. Of I, did, I did an interview with him, and I actually asked him, does, does he regret opening up social media to find out who's passed away? Because yes. he looks like he's got some more work to do. Well, I, I, the other day he was saying, oh, God, I've got to do Ray Liotta now, who oh, died yeah, God, two or three look, days ago. Look forward to that. But it's beautiful. Art. Um, now, um, I get 2000 AD, and I go through it just to see which artists are in there, and, you know, and the various styles, because there's a terrific range of drawing styles in there. And I think, oh, that's so-and-so, that's, that's Clint Langley, and that's somebody else. A lot of the people I don't know who the hell they are. But I fear I'm not a reader of the stories. I just take in the drawing style and think, he's bloody good. Um, I better up my game a bit. The writers of 2080 are going to be hurt. They're going to be hurt and crushed, aren't they? Crushed. <laughs> but I'm, I assume there are some really good stories in there. Well, yes, I, I think so. I believe so. Do you read it cover to cover? I don't read it cover to cover. Um, uh, there's a lot that pulls my attention at the moment. I, I'd say I, I'm every one out of three. Yeah. I, I'm kind of, I, then I, what I do is I'll get the three and then I'll binge and I'll just kind yeah. of I'll, I'll catch up there's um, a, a dinosaur there was a dinosaur walking around yesterday and with he's the dinosaur he's still here he's still kicking around uh, and with, with <laughs> the <laughs> well, there she and there was a gentleman with the dinosaur um, who was dressed in a dog collar and I thought is that Preacher from is that Garth Ennis's <laughs> Preacher <laughs> but apparently it's it's Devlin War Devlin yeah Yes, and I'm ashamed to say I'm ignorant of the character, but... Oh, my. I should that, no, that's, that's, read that's, it. That's fine. OK, so, I mean, the, the, the two ways I can go with the, that question then yeah. are which artists are attracting your attention? Who is on your radar at the I'll moment? T- I'll tell you an artist whose work I always look at, I read cover to cover, and that's Jim Woodring. Does anyone know the work of Jim Woodring? He's an American... Um, and he draws a character called Frank, who is a kind of a cat. Mm-hmm. He's a sort of almost like a Disney-like cat, but his work is absolutely weirdly surreal and is wordless. Um, you never really know what's going on. He's, he's, he just has this hallucinations, continual hallucinations. There isn't a word in it, usually. And I love his work. I love his drawing style. It's almost like woodcut stuff. He's an interesting guy to talk to. Oh, I've never spoken to him. I spoke to him on the phone once. Yeah. I bet that was an interesting conversation. 
but he gives fantastic lectures. Yes, uh, that's exactly what he's like. He's incredibly articulate, but he does suffer, I think, from some kind of mental issues. The stuff he draws, he draws them because he sees... That's what he sees. He sees in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. No, that makes sense. I digress. Any, any, anyone else that's uh, kind of caught you? Um, Is there anybody in the room that perhaps uh, that you've done well, next door that's... I don't know who any of these people are. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Which uh, then begs the question then... Um, I've se- I have oh, seen on. some fantastic art on show from people who I previously didn't know. Okay. Um... And there is a lot of good stuff, great stuff, but I wouldn't be able to put names to who it was. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, which then begs the question, um, well, this, it comes in two parts. Number one, what was the last comics that you read um, on a regular basis, um, other than, you know, back in the day, when you say you stopped yeah. reading comics, and why? Why did you stop reading comics? I think because... What, what was it that <clears throat> kind of made you fall out of love? Uh, well, it... I, I used to... I mean, I, I've been a passionate comic collector all my life. My comic collection was principally DC comics. I fell for American comics, DC comics, and I had this very large collection, complete collection of loads of DC comics, and they sat in bags. They were treasures, um, I had complete runs of Green Lantern, Justice League, Flash, Showcase. I don't know whether you know all these things. Um, but they were objects of, of reverence and treasure. They were not vessels full of stories for me. Right. Does that make sense? No, it makes sense. They were beautiful, beautiful objects. And I think I've always loved the art in comics without really feeling the need to read the stories. Right. Um, I mean, there have been stories in the past that really stuck in my mind. There was a story once in, War- in a Warren comic, and it was written by Harlan Ellison, and it was drawn by Alex Nino, the Filipino artist, and it was called Repent Harlequin Said the TikTok Man. Oh, I don't know when it... That, that really rings a bell. Really. And Alex Nino has a also has a very florid sort of almost psychedelic style he's still alive he's getting on yeah. a bit Filipino artist and um, I liked it because um, Repent Harlequin said the TikTok man it consisted of um, the TikTok man was a man who ran a, a clockwork absolutely precise world and the Harlequin was like a joker character like an anarchist he looked like the joker he was the agent of chaos And it was these two elements, the um, agent of chaos versus the agent of law and order, which essentially is Judge Dredd. Yeah. And I thought that was just a fascinating dichotomy, which which also exists in Batman and the Joker. And it exists in Judge Dredd and Death and and all those other crazy characters you get in. Uh, So that was a story that always stuck in my mind. There have been others, but from a very long time ago. But I can't remember anything since then. Oh, 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 oh another thing. I loved um, Grant Morrison's uh, Doom Patrol. A lot of Grant Morrison's work. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with his, his work and Doom Patrol? It's just so hallucinogenic and metaphysical. And I, was, I, I begged them to let me do the covers on all the collected editions of Doom Patrol because they were just so strange. 
Are you, are you familiar with that? I'm, all, I'm yeah. familiar, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a character called Mr. Nobody who was like a fragmented sort of angular person and he had this evil plan to turn every 12-inch ruler in the world into a 13-inch ruler. <laughs> Which I rather liked. <laughs> um, in that regard, then, of the books um, that you were reading back then, and I was, I was, you kind of answered the question, I mean, which were the ones that you wanted to work on? It was... Uh, that you like say the the DC books that yes. uh, you were treasured those treasured artworks and yes, those treasured yes. pieces then obviously they're going to be pieces that you're uh, appreciating yeah but you're wanting to kind of dive in as well I mean was there any books that you you kind of wanted to cover or? Uh, um, yes well uh, yeah there were, were a lot of characters that I loved as I, 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 I think I'm ruled by nostalgia you know if it's a character that I loved as a kid I've just done a couple of covers for Steel Claw the Steel Claw was a British uh, character from Valiant drawn by I, I have to say Jesus Blasco and Tom, Tom Tully I think was the writer and I've just done two covers for the collected editions of Steel Claw so I do get a chance to, just by doing a cover, I just get a chance to dabble just the once on a character that I've always liked. Um, and then when it's done, move on to something else. Okay. So, yeah, I do, I do enjoy having a stab at those characters. I was offered Mytek the Mighty recently, who was also a character in Valiant from... Okay. I don't know whether you know him. No, um, but it would have been a short story, and I'm afraid I didn't really have time. I couldn't fit it in. Well, I will um, talk about um, your schedule and that yeah. kind of thing in a minute because I also know that um, you're covering or you're doing covers for Batman, I believe. I, yes, I, I, I have an ongoing relationship with DC Comics. I mean, I, that was my first love and my great collection. And I, the thing about DC is that the personnel changed constantly. They moved to California, so I've never been to see mm -hmm. them there. Um, and I never know who the hell is working there. I get a phone, uh, I get an email from a stranger, you know, um, who, you know, somebody who apparently is currently the editor of Swamp Thing. I do some Swamp Things, and um, you know, so will you do as a Swamp Thing? Because they have this thing now called variant covers, where a, 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 a shop, a, a, a comic store, sponsors a different cover on a comic so that they can sell it exclusively in their shop. It's a really evil scheme, in a way. Because <laughs> it, it, they're trying to encourage people to buy more than one copy of something. Yeah, you're looking at an enabler here. Sorry about that. That'll be me. Yeah, really? Yeah, I'm a variant covers guy. I love Are my you? variant covers. Really? Yeah, I love my Scotty Youngs. I love my... Um, I just love my variant covers. So, All right. yes, so, so, covers will you, so will you buy another edition of something because it has another artist on the, the cover? The amount of covers I've got for One Dark Night is ridiculous. Um, really? So yeah, who, who, One, Dark, One, One Dark Night and uh, Department of Truth. I've got a scary amount of variant covers for those books. Who publishes those? Um, well, One Dark Night is... Uh, uh, Jock's new book for DC oh, right. it's part of their Black Label yeah. and um, not, Jock isn't here today he's he? not no, unfortunately not, not. Uh, and Department of Truth which I would heartily recommend you checking out is uh, Image oh which is, is uh, yeah. a, a, a 
I, I don't know if anyone's familiar with uh, Department yeah. of Truth. Stunning. Is that good? Stunning book. I, I'm going to have to read my, that. Have a look well, at that. Yeah, there we go. Um, let's talk about your, your schedule then, because you're saying that you're, you're keeping busy. What is... what? How often... Let me see if I can put this... Uh, uh, correctly. How often do How I often work? do you paint? Yeah, do, 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 <laughs> is it a case of um, is it do you paint daily? Is it something now, you really kind of uh, lock into? I am completely digital. You are digital. I've been completely digital for twenty or more years. Wow. Um, Nineteen ninety-seven. I got into photo, working in Photoshop. So a gradual process. I hated it. Uh, Dave Gibbons, who you may have heard of, he's another up-and-coming artist. Um, <laughs> Uh, he he's very technically minded, and he under, he and Angus Mackay, another terrific uh, illustrator who knows, oh God, what is that magazine? Metal Elo, I think he did covers on Metal no. Holland. Um, he's also very computer literate. The two of them guided me into the realm of working digitally. I'll tell you what it was. Um, I was doing my work in line. This is mainly a DC phase, um, and I would then send it FedEx and. Then, um, colorists were using computers to color my line work. And as the, the computery stuff got more sophisticated, the, they'd be using sort of, they would be dropping out the line here. And the, their computer coloring was swamping my line work. And I do like oh. to see a good line. Yeah. You know, even when the thing ends up in color. I don't do really painted work. Right. And it doesn't look like it's made of paint like Joe Jusco or some of the artists mm-hmm. who... Um, and so I decided I'm going to have to do my own colouring, so I've got to learn how to um, use this computery stuff. And once I had um, worked out how to add colour to my l- actual physical line on a piece of paper, I realised that the line itself was on a layer. Uh, this, this is all layers in Photoshop and that line, if I didn't like the line where it was, I could move it a bit and I re- began to realise that it was just as easy to draw my lines in Photoshop on a layer as draw it on paper you know, if you, for instance, if you've drawn a figure and the head is too far over there, you can just grab hold of it and move it over there a bit or you, you can make the arm a bit longer or something or move them on the page uh, which you can't do when you're working physically on paper. Mm. Um, so yeah, I've been uh, again. The original question wasn't that, was it? But uh, I've been digital for that many years. Okay. Has that because it was going to be about your technique? Has that yeah. improved? Because I mean, it's safe to say um, one thing that uh, marks you as an artist is you are very. Uh, meticulous. You want to get a, a piece of work right, uh, and that's been uh, a trademark of yours throughout your career. Okay. It, has that improved then your um, technique and your speed, or is is it something that you still very much? Well, I I find with I will just say this. I find with people um, when they um, when they hear I work digitally. You, you almost see the light fade from their eyes, you know, because <laughs> people love artwork. I mean, it's also very nice to have a bit of artwork that you can sure. bring to something like this and sell for disgusting amounts of money. Um, but, of course, I don't have any of that at all. And then, on the other hand, somebody said, oh, are you working digitally? I mean, I, I think they think 
that when you're drawing Judge Dredd, you press the draw Judge Dredd button, <laughs> <laughs> and it draws Judge Dredd. Um, that's not the no, way. No, there's a, there's a great viral video <laughs> where someone just goes, okay, um, control, alt, 2008 e button and 2008 e just gets spat out maybe one day maybe one day they'll be able to do that entirely but um, um, anyway I, I use I was asked the other day do I use a Cintiq now a Cintiq is like a, a drawing pad which is also a screen it's like a big iPad really and you can draw the whole thing on that I use a, a Wacom tablet which is a flat grey square and a pen so my hand is down here while the drawing is up there and somebody I was talking to yesterday just, just couldn't manage couldn't, no, the, that, couldn't that, that disconnect between yeah, the sort of that, like that but I've been doing it for so long it just comes quite naturally yeah, to me yeah but they also said oh you, you work digitally that must make it really quick must it no it doesn't because um, for one thing you can blow the thing up huge and you find yourself drawing little details you, know. you end up going macro. You end up kind of... Yeah. Really f- yeah. I mean, I work at... Oh, this is dead technical, but I work at 600 dots per inch, and I have a window which is at 200% of the size. So if I'm drawing... I've just drawn Two-Face. Uh, so if I'm drawing his head, which ends up that size, his eye is about this size. And, and you really go all in? Well, you can do. I mean, I also have another window... On the in the other corner of my screen that shows you the entire page, which reminds you that the bit, the, the tiny little detail bit you're drawing over here is actually just a minuscule little bit, and you don't really want to spend too much time on it. Sure. But it it doesn't seem to make me quicker. Okay. It makes me think I could just put a little bit more in here. Yeah. Yeah. So in that case, um, how precious are you about? the work that you do in terms of kind of finishing the piece and then just letting it go Uh, because you've you've had the opportunity now to when you've come to put the Apex book together looking at the files looking at the original artwork yeah Sometimes maybe you're looking at the, some of the lines, some of the, uh, maybe something that maybe you'd just like, to, you know what, I'd just like to maybe go in and do something with that. Well, how, how free are you with just going, okay, it's out in the world? Well, I mean, the Apex book is full of my actual cardboard artwork, isn't right, it? Right, okay. It's, it's all artwork from the 70s and, I suppose, mid-80s. Um, and... and you see, artwork collectors—they love this stuff, uh, and all of the caption boxes, um, because they're stuck on with glue. The glue is interacted with the box, and they're all turned yellow and transparent, and it looks a right old mess to me. Um, it's interesting archaeology to me. <laughs> interesting way to put it. People seem to be loving it. This this book. Um, um, you know, I can see loads of. Well, there's nothing in there that I do differently. I mean, I can see a lot of really bad drawing in there. But when it comes to t- today, um, you know, it's so easy to, even when you've got f- full-colour work, it's so easy to change it. Yeah. Um, so the temptation is to... Um, I've just done a thing only two days ago, which is like a pictorial memoir that I've been working on for years and years, and the page I was on was a photographic collage of faces, um, faces of pe- pe- members of my family and people I knew and famous people. And it's, 
I can't show it to you because I haven't got anything to do so. Um, but I noticed that I'd put two faces on twice. He was down there and he was up there. So I, I thought, I've, I've got to find another face too. So there are all sorts of um, imperfections you can you can improve on, on quite yeah. easily, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask two uh, kind of questions I always ask of artists, so you just have to bear with me on this one, uh, and then you can kind of, we'll come to yourselves and uh, ask your questions. But the two questions um, I usually ask of artists are, do you work on a nine-to-five schedule, or do you like to work as the muse takes you, say, on an evening, and you just kind of, you've got this, the ability you just sort of like oh I've got an idea and I'll just dive in or do you kind of go okay it's work time now no I'm do you I'm, work to have a no I'm very disorganised I'm not an early starter I often don't get out of bed until 10.30 or 11 o'clock in the morning <laughs> partly <coughs> partly because a lot of I've, I've got my iPad and a lot of when I'm writing stuff or just replying to emails or doing some kind of business agreement with somebody, I, I, I tend to do that from the comfort of my reclining bed. <laughs> um, but, th- but then, you see, where I live, there are all sorts of practical things, like Fridays is admin day. Friday we spend half the day paying bills. And then I've got to go the, mow the lawn. If, if it's not raining, I have to mow the lawn. This is fascinating. I'm just going to say, yeah, so... Well, I mean, I think the reason why I ask is because uh, I, I find um, some artist um, process where they have a dedicated... They like, do. The, the, yeah. the shed out yeah. at the back, and it's their dedicated office, and they start at yeah. nine, and they go, OK, five o'clock, I want to spend time with the kids. Yeah. I want to spend time with the family. So yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. have a real separation well, of work and... Well, usually, primarily, I, I get given jobs. I get up and I'm told I've got to mow the lawn. <laughs> got, <laughs> those are your jobs. I've got to pay the bills. I've got to move those two bags of compost out of the garage into the, into the greenhouse. And then when, I, you know, when I'm free of all these obligations, I sometimes manage to get to my work. And okay. then it's time to go shopping. Fair enough. <laughs> or, um, so, no, I, I don't. But I do... Um, Right from the very beginning of my working career, I was always slow and I always had to work through the night to get my work finished. So I have become rather nocturnal. Right. I, um, I'm still working usually till one in the morning. I get quite productive by the afternoon and then sometimes I spend the evening watching telly. But when it really needs to be done, I will plough on until 12 or 1 or so. Fair enough. Yeah. And the other question I usually ask of artists are um, soundtrack to your uh, work. Because we were talking outside about, um, your, about love, music. your, your yes. love of music. Yes. Um, there are some people that like um, sticking on The Simpsons, so then it's just noise that they know. Mm. They don't have to focus on it. It's, it's almost like karaoke in the background. It's just there. They know what it is, and it's just there, or a podcast or something. Yeah. Do you have any music on, uh, or well, do you just shut well, everything Well, my off? wife and I disagree about what, what sound we've got, because she's an artist too. She, she's <laughs> working on the next table from me, doing something different. She used to um, collaborate with my work. Back when I was still analogue, as shall we say, she did a little bit of painting, quite a bit of painting occasionally, on my full-colour work. Uh, her name's Rachel Burkett, and... Um, we seem to like different things. Uh, I, I like a lot of really ghastly uh, avant-garde noise bands. Right. Swans. Have you heard of Swans? I'm aware of their work. Yeah. Um, um, what's it called? Um, well, there's a, tr- a song called Natalie, um, right. which, which uh, is a fantastic song by, by Swans. It's 
really loud. I, I saw Swans live in about 1990, and I still have, my ear is still ringing <laughs> from that concert. They were the loudest thing I've ever. Um, well, um, okay. Here's a here's a brief. Uh, hope to hope, hope, hopefully it's a brief story. I had a really old-fashioned classic um, iPod. And it had about 17,000 tracks of my music on it. And I was able to put it on Scramble and just listen to all sorts of strange things that would come up and juxtapositions of things that would come up. Um, and I had a, apparently an expert, an Apple expert, who came along and said, you know, if you connect your computer up to the iPod, you can actually download stuff from the iPod back onto your hard drive. And what, in fact, had happened was that it blanked the iPod. Yeah. So now I've got this completely useless iPod. Oh, man. Which is pretty much empty. So I'm now on Spotify. So I'm now actually having to pay 10 quid a month to listen to my own record collection. Yeah, yeah that sounds about right. Which is a bit, bit of a nuisance. So we, we go from listening to Radio 4 to listening to my curious um, taste in music and, and occasionally sort of I, um, vlogs, you know, YouTube things. Yeah. Um, so that's your answer, really. A, no, a succession I, I, of things. I, I mean, I always find that question fascinating because of the mm. way that um, the soundtrack influences the work and it kind of yeah. gets you into the tone of the thing and yeah. uh, kind of shapes it. But, I think uh, well, you see, the I fact think... that you have a, such a fractured sense of music and it goes all over the place, which is great. Yeah, it'll go from Hawaiian guitar music to Serbian brass band music. Oh, please create a playlist. So it goes from uh, the Finnish cantile music, which is a cantile is like a zither, like a stringed instrument, lovely yeah. thing, to really noisy uh, things like swans and... and uh, I really like Negative Land, who are a band from Ooh. San Francisco. Have you heard of them? Yes. Uh, I've got all of their records. I saw them in concert. Uh, okay, when, if Thought Bubble bring up their uh, DJ sets again, can yeah. you please come and DJ a set? Oh, I'll DJ that, for you, that would yeah. be incredible, wouldn't it? <laughs> That'd be amazing. Um, I'm going to open up uh, to the room. Um, and while I've been trying to certainly look at um, uh, contemporary Brian Bolland, obviously we're going to be talking about anything from uh, his history and any questions that you may want to put. Anybody have a question for Brian? Oh, straight away. Straight away. The you were been to it, you. Nice try. We'll come to you. Go for it, sir. <coughs> yes, sir. Yeah. Um, I was looking at one of your early prog covers yesterday, Brian. Yes. Signed at the bottom, Borrow. Yes. Dave Gibbons and I uh, started in the business. He was a couple of years ahead of me, and, but I'd known him socially for a long time as fans. We were, you know, we, we, we used to be in the fanzines in the '60s, I guess, and we, we seemed to, we sort of knew each other as Gibbo and Bolo, and so right at the very beginning, I didn't know what to put on on there, so that's what I wrote. But then I got pretty soon. I just put the full name on there. Gibbo yeah. and Bolo. Gibbo following, and Bolo. Yeah, following uh, Morgan and Wise on ITV on Saturday. Evening. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Any questions? Yes, sir. Well, I've been talking to John recently, uh, John Wagner, about the, the the four dark. Were the four dark judges? Yeah, I lose track. Um, <laughs> Um, about how they came to look the way they looked. I said to John, did you tell me what they looked like? Because I do remember when Judge Death first appeared on the stairs. I don't remember literally reading him saying he's got a, a, 
rictal, rictus grin. Um, I don't remember that. And, and, and also the other dark judges, uh, we had a disagreement about Mortis, who's got a head of a, the skull of a sheep. Now, John um, thinks he sent me the skull of a sheep in the post. <laughs> Um, and I think I remember picking that skull up on a hillside in Cumbria and thinking that would make quite a fun head for a, a baddie. And I still have it in, in my studio on my window wow. ledge. Um, so I, but I think I'm told he's, he's now come round to the idea that he let me do what I almost do what I wanted with his sort of veto if he didn't like it. And so I'm. I think I'm allowed to take credit for what those characters look like. And when it comes to the gaze into the fist of dread, I said, "How? What exactly did you tell me to draw here?" And I think he said, "Well, dread punches his fist through the back of his helmet, basically, and that's what I drew, wasn't it?" No, no. I mean, I've had a few images in my career that seem to turn up on people's T-shirts and. As posters and and then uh, yeah, I mean I've just had a, an image I drew for DC that's turned up on a set of pajamas. <laughs> it's the Detective Comics number one thousand, which was a tie-in with the Forbidden original Forbidden Planet advert, which was in black and white, and it's just turned up on some pajamas. Nobody told me. I'm hoping to get a pair. <laughs> Which is going to be one of my questions to lead on to because oh, when, yeah. for example, I mean that panel that you're talking about that recently came up for auction uh, within the last six months, I believe, and not sold, not, not the original, uh, but wasn't it? No, I, th- I believe I, th- I thought it was the original. That's came no, up we happen no. to know who owns the original, ah. and because uh, I actually sold it personally ah, okay. to to him, he might he might have sold it on. Has he still got it? No, this gentleman over here is my. Isn't okay, no, fair no, enough. No, I was going. I was going to keep it, but he made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Oh, there mm. you go. I was. I was under the impression it had been. So, I'm sure I'd saw it. Uh, it's something. It may have been a, a print of it that had been uh, sold. Yeah, out. we okay, did do enough. recently. I th- was it Gosh Comics that, um, okay. produced a, a limited run of prints of uh, <laughs> the Gaze into the Fist of, of yeah. Dread. Yeah. So and it's also on John Wagner's business card, so he must like it too. <laughs> so what what do you think of when you see artwork of yours selling? For the f- kind of sums that we're talking about, um, I think what I'm trying to ask yeah. is, uh, well, not necessarily when are you going to get your slice, uh, when are you going to get your cut? Well, I'm but, I mean, <laughs> about that kind of that, that, the how artwork is valued and how you see that artwork being valued. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a bit of a backstory here because um, all that work for 2080 was done originally under the policy of them not returning any artwork to anybody. Mm. It was all gathered, It was all piling up in the vaults, so-called vaults at IPC, and they had this idea that if they returned artwork to the artists, those artists would then resell the artwork to somebody else somehow, or adapt it in some funny way, which is ludicrous, because we don't do that. We, we always have to draw something new. Um... So suddenly they decided they'd got enough of this stuff, let's return it to the... What a crazy idea, let's return the artwork to the artists. But as a sort of penance, they required the artists to pay to have transparencies made of their own work for their files. 
I was, of course, we're always too busy to do all this sort of nonsense. So I got some people at Forbidden Planet, this is about 1988, seven or eight, um, to go and collect my, all my artwork that existed, many of which had disappeared mysteriously. Um, and uh, Forbidden Planet um, offered to buy it all off me at about 70 quid a page. Um, and I kept some, including the Gaze into the Fist of Dread and a few other choice ones. And, uh, um, yeah, and, uh, and now, of course, it's... Uh, so it, it came to, a, back in those days, a quite a nice little tidy sum for me, you see, but uh, if I'd kept it until... It's possibly because I don't own any artwork that that's why it's rarer and is more valuable. But a bit of me feels kind of proud... I know full well it, I'm never going to see the proceeds. Mm. Um, so that's my answer. Really. Do you do you collect original artwork? No, no, no. I don't have any value for original artwork at all. I that's, don't, I don't yeah. see the point of it. That's the great kind of question. Then I was, I was going to ask if the yeah. uh, if you had any kind of uh, piece, have, pieces on the wall. I did, no, I don't put anything on. Uh, uh, David Roach, who uh, who's a man who made a very impressive book called Masters of. Oh, I've got it down there. Of com- comic art um, he came around to my house once and he said why is your walls covered in your own work and it seemed like a monumental arrogance to just hang my own stuff on the wall and nobody else's um, I don't that's I don't hello where's he gone that's the one it's that's good, the one it's a very studious and very heavy book <laughs> um and um, oh yes, but I do have some bits of artwork. I um, I was very keen on when I was a kid. I was very keen on a newspaper strip called. I'll, I'll try to keep this brief. Uh, a, a, a newspaper strip called Carol Day, written and drawn by a man called David Wright. And I do have uh, some of his artwork from the early, from the late fifties, I believe. Um, and they're, they're collecting some of those early 50s stories in a, um, a, a collected edition and I've just done the cover for it in as, in as much of his style as possible. Um, I've also got some Alex Toth artwork. Alex Toth, do, do, do you know who he is? An American, very fine American artist. Where, where it, I think somebody gave it to me for some reason. But I don't really collect original okay. art at all. Which um, I was actually going to bring this book up, if anything, because um, it says Masters of British Comic Art, and you obviously have people who thoroughly enjoy and appreciate your work, but how do you feel about being called a Master of British Comic Art to be included in a book alongside these? Well, <laughs> again, as what's, I... What's your, what's your own ego like? Uh, uh, in again, terms? again, as I say, you know, when I'm at home, I'm just this bloke. Uh, who does a bit of shopping and mows the lawn occasionally. So uh, this is just a role that you slip into, really, occasionally. Uh, occasionally I show it to my wife and say, look, look at this, I'm, there must be something special about me. But uh, it says so, so in your book. So there's Brian, Brian that goes down Tesco, and then there's <laughs> Brian Bolland in... Who is a master of the... A co- master of the British, British Common Car, absolutely. absolutely. So it says so in there. It so says so in there, so it must be true, Absolutely. <laughs> Any other questions from? Our, oh my word! Oh. Okay, let's uh, let's crack on. Yes, we'll start from left to right. Go for it, sir. Oh hello, hello, Mr. Bolland. I've waited years to ask you this. Oh. Um, I'm aware that of your influences. I'll put this in a real nutshell. Yeah. 
Okay, well, I, I, at the moment, these Batman covers I'm doing, they're all very much in the same composition. They're basically portraits of the villains. Um, and the, each of the villains is doing something with his hands. You know, I've done the Riddler. And is it the one bad, one bad Day covers that yes, you're doing? Yes, yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm just one of the variant, yeah. art, variant artists. Okay. Um, and I did get a guy to come round and say, look, will you just wear this hat and put your hands and see, uh, look to, look, as if you're adjusting your hat? So occasionally I do. Um, hand, I think I've said this, actually, hands I find, but, you know, I've... Uh, conveniently have a pair and I can sort of pose them because the, the hands feature because when I did the steel claw cover you know I, I would have used my hand to just do that or something so I knew what a, a clenched hand would be um, I mean there are certain things I just could never draw I could never draw a horse without swiping it from some better somebody who can but um, what I do is I take a, p- a photo of like myself in a, I just saw on the penguin, and he was just sitting there holding his umbrella like that. So I yeah. sat in a chair, and my wife took a picture. And in Photoshop, you, you've got all these layers, and you just slide your picture into a layer, and you can then put a layer over the top, uh, which you can fade down a bit so it looks like a pencil, and trace it, basically. You couldn't have done that for all those judge dreads. No, no, we couldn't, couldn't have done that. I think I was a lot more loose and sloppy th- in those days. Your physique must have been fantastic if <laughs> you uh, did your uh, judge, judge, judge Dredd back then. <laughs> but, okay. I mean, but the thing about Judge Dredd, I, I will answer this. Sure, sure. The thing about Judge Dredd that I, I think he slouches. I, I don't think he's got a great physique. And when, when you get these people who draw Judge Dredd in a kind of superhero pose, I think, no, 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 he's, he's a crushed... He's, he's, he's more like that, I think. He doesn't look physically all that good, he's, in he's, my view. He shouldn't do. I wouldn't say he's crowd. I, I, I mean, no, no. Okay. I, I, I know. I'll just correct Dave Bob, uh, 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 Brian Bowman. Yeah, just correct. I just correct I'm, you. But I, I think he's just tightly wound. Yes, he's, just, he's like coiled spring. Kind yes, of thing. Yeah. yes, yeah. Okay, one over there. Yeah, yeah we've got two questions. I think we've got time for two, so we'll go for yourself and oh, okay. yourself. Go for it, sir. Well, my own Is there a sense of sequential in you? Um, I was asked to draw this three-page My Take the Mighty recently, and I, I, I declined on that one, I'm afraid. Uh, partly because I wanted, it to, I wanted it to look as if um, Eric Bradbury had drawn it, and that would involve sort of trying to adopt another person's style. But no, I've got no sequential work lined up apart from the actress and the bishop, who are these characters that I concoct myself. I've got um, a story, a 14-page story, which I put online, which somebody has only just now offered to pu- put a, a publish for me somewhere. 
Um, and I've got another one written, which uh, I haven't started drawing yet, but uh, nothing uh, for a commercial publisher. You're not going to be getting any more Zark down the line? Any more? Who um, Never so, mind, never mind, never mind. Character just completely lost. I've lost the name. Of oh, it. you mean the little guy on the little saucer? Guy from, that's the one. Zerk. 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 No, nobody's offered me any more Zerk. Who used to write? Who used to write Zerk? Was that? Uh, does anybody know who Zerk was? He was in Warrior. He was because that's the thing. Because because uh, I came into your work. I mean, I read 2080, but I didn't. Mm. Pay, I, I, did, I didn't pay attention, to, attention. The art, pay attention <laughs> to the artists and the writers. I was re- really, as a young, young wee nipper, I was really reading the, the stories. Stuff, of course. But then I read Warrior. Yes. And that's when I started paying attention to who was actually putting pen to paper. And, uh, oh, right. and that's where I yes. first really kind of caught your name. But there, and yeah, that's the one that I saw. Yeah. Right, so we've got a question here. Oh, that man. I, I suspect on. this may be our last one, so make it a good one. Oh. No pressure. What? Black or white or colour? Now, what is the question? Black or white or colour? <laughs> um, I love black and white line work, but um, covers require colour. And so, when I finish a piece of work, um, because of working in Photoshop, you can, you can preserve any stage of the work you want, so I always send, it, send in the, the black line and the colour version, so they can... Sometimes they actually use both as variants. But uh, there is something about the line work that I, I... I was looking at that wonderful exhibition in the other room the other day, and there's an artist there called Ron Embleton, who was a terrific painter. But there's a page of his in black line. It's absolutely gorgeous. Because, I mean, uh, back in my day um, while the Americans were four colour four colour for a dime all of our a lot of our comics were in black and white and so we got to appreciate the line work of a lot of these fantastic artists like a lot of them Spanish Italian occasionally so I do love uh, black and white my, myself yeah, I, I think you know with hashing and, and you know some people do dot work and stuff I think it just really brings it out and I thought with the Apex collection it was just great seeing your black and white work Yes. Yes. Yeah. When the Americans um, got a copy of one of my Judge Dredd collections from somebody or other, IDW or somebody, they Mm -hmm. were really disappointed to find there was no colour in there because their first encounter with Judge Dredd was the coloured eagle reprints. So they were a bit disappointed. Where's the colour gone? They they said. But I, I. Well, it sounds as if you and I quite like the. The black and white version. There we go. Um, I think it's safe to say we could carry on talking for quite some time. Oh, yeah, but let's. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, all, all the other panels... You can, have, all, yeah, yeah, um, you can all go if you so want. So, tell you what, here's the announcement then. All the other panels have now been cancelled. Yeah, we're now we're, just going to carry on we're talking. Just gonna carry on. Thank you. Oh, sounds like a plan. Sounds good. Sounds good. But tell you what... I will actually let you go because I'll let you um, get back to your table and let these lovely people check out and then buy copy of Apex because if you haven't if you haven't checked it out it's a, an astonishing book. I hope that you continue to be excited by the artwork. I hope you continue to uh, be excited by what you're doing, and I hope to see more artwork f- for many years to come. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian Bobby.
follow all the latest convention news and updates, along with interviews, reviews, and podcasts at theconventioncollective.com. Support our work at patreon.com slash an Englishman in San Diego.